Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Brian from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. MSU Falls in the semifinals now has time to reflect on their 2019 season. Thorny, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm not doing too bad. I had a good holiday week. It was uh, good to see some family. How was your uh, Christmas break? Woo! We had family here for the last eight days. Uh, the last one just left today. It was good. It was good. It was really crowded here in the Foley household on Christmas Eve. I think we had, you know, 12, 13 different people here all opening presents in a I collected all of their trash. It's been really fun trying to sort that out <laughs> when we have a small trash can, but you know, it's, it's all right. Uh, now that I've known you and seen you in action, I bet you're pretty particular about all the garbage just sitting there back there like, oh, come on. Why, is, why aren't you guys throwing this away? Throwing the garbage. <laughs> just sitting there just bothering you. Yeah, you know me a little too well. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Hey, well, we're back at it. We're on the RNR Catcast. We want to thank all the Cat fans and listeners who are tuning in to us right now. Uh, we're going to have a show tonight that recaps the NDSU game that uh, happened two weeks ago, or like, more like a week ago, if I'm thinking right. It's I- weird. Time's all w- wonky right now. Yeah, it is a time warp, especially when I'm out of school right now and I have these this Christmas break, you know, you never know what quite day it is, but uh, we'll, we'll just move past that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll talk about our beer, what we're drinking tonight. We'll go into the news. Uh, we'll talk about the press press conference that caused a stir amongst NDSU fans. Uh, we will <laughs> mention briefly uh, some recruiting news, and then we're going to talk about the game, uh, what happened, how we felt about it, and Maybe some next step for the Bobcats. We'll end today with our golden koozie questions and our special segments. Sounds good. Yeah, this is kind of weird. We haven't done this in a while. We took a week off. I don't think we've ever done a game recap this far away from a game. So like trying to conjure up the game is going to be a little tricky for me. But uh, yeah, we'll get into it. Should be fun. All right, let's get into what we are drinking tonight, Ryan. What do you have? So I have a Michelob Ultra because I bought some just because I don't have to think about what I want to buy anymore. I was out of beer. I just grabbed something real quick, something I know that I liked. And it's the holidays. I'm like, I'll grab a light beer. I didn't realize that Michelob Ultra even made these. I bought these little mini cans. They're eight ounces. They're eight ounce (laughs) beers. With a beer like Michelob Ultra, which is like, light light beer as it is it's like a little shot of beer it's not doing anything for me that's why i have two of them (laughs) like why would you ever want eight ounces of beer so why did you even buy it well i didn't know that i didn't pay attention i just grabbed a case thinking it was a normal case of beer and didn't know until i cracked it a few days later honestly yeah (laughs) (laughs) so there you go i'm drinking a a kitty-sized michelob ultra were you just holding it in your hand like just not even thinking about just going, man, this feels different. <laughs> you look down and you found out that was eight ounces. No, as, as soon as I grabbed it out of the thing, I'm like, what? Because, you know, Ultra's got the tall, skinny cans. They're pretty, oh, yeah. pretty obvious. It, it completely swallowed up by the koozie. Like a yeah. plain koozie. It just, <laughs> it's like your, it's like your wife wearing your sweater. It's just, just, just disappears in there. It's swimming in that koozie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, man. Well, eight ounce <laughs> ultras. There you go. All right, Thorny. Hey, man, I'm drinking a Black Butte Porter out of Deschutes Brewing. Have you ever had one of those? Yep, that's a good porter. Yeah, well, I picked up a sixer this week for my wife and I, and uh, it's just delicious. Nice. I'm jealous of that instead of my miniature beers. Well, plow through those miniature beers and then go get your sixer this week. Maybe tomorrow night, right? New Year's Eve. My initial thought of going off my the theme I had been going on about beers that convey meaning to me. I remember from last year, I drank a beer called the Dark Darkness. Because that's pretty much how I felt after the North Dakota State game. But I just didn't really have a chance to go get it. So I'm drinking Uh-oh. Ultra instead. But Dark Darkness would have been a good choice. 
<laughs> that beer, every time I think of it, makes me laugh out loud. <laughs> it makes me think of the Chappelle show, The, the Darkness, <laughs> which I'm sure you have not seen, knowing you. But <laughs> All right, man, you ready to move on? Yep, let's kick it off. Let's move on. Okay, let's get into some news. We had a signing day event, uh, early signing day in December. It's kind of like Christmas come early. It's I believe it was on, what, December 18th or somewhere in there. Something well, like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting how much traction it, it's gained in the past couple of years because it's not that old. It used to have to be in that February signing period. And now we have this December signing period and we're finding that most of our recruits are signing during this time. And I find it personally exciting. Yep. No, it's a, and it's interesting to see how colleges are adopting their strategy for the early signing period. Like clearly Jeff Choate's strategy is to sign every single guy you can possibly get. Like this is it. Like anyone else who comes in February is almost kind of like a bonus. It seems like this is the main event now. Well, I like it. And I think MSU does a nice job of publicizing it and putting out graphics for the players. They really make them feel, you know, like it's a big time school. No, they do a great job with the graphic department. This is the second year of, uh, um, the name's escaping me. Is that Garrett Becker? Is that his name? The I don't know. Does the, the graphics, but yeah, this is like the second, I think the second year he's been doing it. It looks really good. And yeah, it's a nice production and it's a nice little event they put on and Looks like a pretty nice class. I think there was 23 guys who signed, which is a pretty big class. We may or may not do a signing day recap, uh, probably March sometime. I imagine by that time we'll have the itch to start recording again, but right now it sounds awful. But (laughs) we'll just see how we feel. We're such a fly by the seat of our pants podcast. We never know what we're going to do. So we may or may not do a signing day podcast for you guys. There you go. All right. Moving on, let's move into the post-game press conference. Thorny, you had some thoughts on that. First of all, kudos to Shane Driscoll going all the way out to Fargo, North Dakota to Woo-hoo. record this for everyone. That was nice of him. Listen to the, the post-game press conference. I did not watch it, so I didn't judge his like demeanor or anything. But it was, it was a decent little press conference. Uh, I liked what he said. It was very respectful. Um, nothing really stood out to me one way or the other. I like He had a quote that I liked where he says, success has a lot of tests and one of them is failure. I thought that was kind of a cool quote, but other than that, you know, just talked about where we are at the program and what it takes to compete at this level and all that good stuff. So I liked it. It was a good press conference. As, as good as it's going to get after a loss like that. Just the emotion that you saw in the background, if you were paying attention to like a Kevin Cassis or Braden Conkle or Derek Marks, and even Jeff Choate when Derek Marks was speaking, just, you know, that you could feel it. I would encourage you guys to go check out it on Shane's website. Um, that's, I guess that's the thing that really hit me the most was just seeing their faces. It was just devastating, you know, in a little bit of a way. Yeah, I don't typically have a chance to watch them. I only get to listen to them. So didn't really get to read that part of it. But uh, it makes me want to go back and watch it, though, just to kind of see it. A quote that jumped out to me, he said, we'll never allow a game to define us as men. And I just think that's such good perspective. He said, you know, this is a game. And we're never going to let this define us as men and as men going forward. I just really respect that perspective. Choate has so many good little nuggets of wisdom. I just feel like you watch a Jeff Choate press conference, you learn a little bit about football, and you learn a little bit about life. And I really enjoy listening to Derek Marks speak lately. Uh, he is just, he's kind of like the sage of the players right now. And uh, he just says, he, he quoted himself, or quoting him, he said, uh, the standard continues to raise, and setbacks never define us, this team, nor this university. Uh, I just hope uh, going forward, if he can be maybe like the team pastor, I just hope he can be connected to the team. I think he just has uh, just great leadership skills. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I remember we had a pastor a few years ago who'd make like fiery speeches and they put them on videos. That was pretty cool. I wonder, I wonder who, if that guy's still around or if there is a pastor right now. But regardless, uh, Marks would be a good candidate in the future if he sticks around Bozeman. No, oh, for sure. All right. Yeah. That's all I really had yeah. on the presser. Yep. Really nothing else to talk about there. Okay, man. Well, let's just get into it. The game recap uh, semifinals, first time in 35 years in DSU. In Fargo, what do you got? Well, let's start off with the stats. Let's 
just do the tradition here. Uh, Bison ended up with 21 first downs, 13 first down for the Bobcats. Both teams did a pretty decent job on third down. We were six for 15. I guess that's not, that's not great, but it's not as bad as it could be for us against a team like the Bison. Uh, clearly, the game was pretty lopsided. We get further down here, 541 yards of total offense for the Bison, just 298 for the Cats. 150 of those to the air for the Bobcats. And I know like one of them was like a 40, 45 yard touchdown pass to Kevin Cassis somewhere in that range. So a lot of it was chunk on one play, 223 yards for Trey Lance over on the Bison side. Uh, the Bison rushed for 318 yards on just 37 carries for 8.6 yards carry. A lot of it would be that, uh, is it Christian Watson? Is that his name, first name Christian? Yes. Yeah. 86 yards on just three carries for him with the huge long touchdown run. And yeah, zero penalties for the Bobcats. That was a bright spot. Three for the Bison. Each team had a turnover. Uh, we forced their first tum- turnover the Bison have had since like October, I think I heard on the broadcast, which is pretty impressive. Time of possession, <laughs> pretty even. But uh, yeah, score by far the most lopsided part, 42 to 14. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I don't really know what else to say about the stats. They're bad. We got uh, we got manhandled. Well, kind of. In some ways, yes. Some way, no. I mean, if you go back and look at the game, there's some times when, there's a lot of time, in fact, where we actually play really well against the Bison. So I wouldn't say we got manhandled. They had 21 points on three plays of over 70 yards. Uh, the Christian Watson uh, end around, which he just took to the house. He also had... Um, that catch where he just burned down the sideline. So that happened first. Then we went three and out. Then the Christian Watson end around. And then a backbreaker of a play uh, when we had Trey Lance on third and five. It was We had him scrambling. We almost had him in the backfield. And we had just scored at that point. And we were having momentum. But then he finds uh, Dimitri Watson, his tailback, on the side, on the broken play, and just, you know, the scampers for a 70-yard touchdown. So three big plays for them that if you take those three big plays and just kind of, and you can never wash those plays out of the game, but they were definitely momentum changers, but they weren't like big drives that just really kicked our ass down the field. They were just like, you know, we just, Christian Watson, man, that guy runs 23 miles an hour, someone said on, on, on ESPN. That's just next level speed that we haven't seen. You, you, you just can't deal with that. And then on that busted play, well, you just got to tip your cap to Trey Lance on the scramble drill right there. So, other than that, man, it was. Uh, I thought we played pretty even, Stevens, in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. But this second quarter, man, the second quarter really killed us. Um, I'm gonna kind of disagree with you there. Uh, and Jeff Choke kind of talked a little bit about it in his post game press conference too. Is that you know they also just were marching down on us too. Like if they didn't have the huge chunk plays, they still were getting like five, six yards a carry. They would have had 10, 12 play drives if it weren't for the bus, like the big, huge plays a lot of the time, in my opinion. It's like maybe that wouldn't be 42 to 14 uh, when they score so easy so quickly, but uh, the Bison were still having their way with us even on this without those huge plays taken out. (laughs) We weren't like stopping with three and outs or anything like that. Well, you know, I think you and I are going to have to agree to disagree on a semblance of that. So like, I do feel like we kind of own the third quarter right there. If you go back and you'll watch the third quarter, watch the second half. Um, we pressed it at the very end in the fourth quarter. Yes, we did throw a pick right there. But man, I thought we played pretty even in the, in the second half. Yeah. But at that point, the <laughs> Bison were up 29 to 14, how, you know, they could afford to be pretty conservative. So they might've let off the gas a little bit. Well, by no means am I seeing that the Bison weren't a better team on Saturday. But I think uh, when I watched it back, I was more impressed. And I thought there was uh, the gap didn't seem as big as I had thought when I first you know, saw it on Saturday. All I know is it's two years in a row that we've given up like 21 plus points in a quarter against the Bison. Yeah, they hung 22 on us in the second. It was a bad. I think bad last time. year was 21 the first quarter. Like game was over. <laughs> first quarter last year. So there's your improvement. The game was over at halftime instead of the first quarter. Well, it's such a backbreaker too, because we had tied it up seven, seven, right. And then the next three plays 
are the next two plays that took a whopping under, you know, maybe 30 seconds. Christian, oh, what's his last name? Watson. Yeah, Christian Watson just buried us and with 14 points and just completely took the momentum uh, from us. And I, I agree with that. Like, it's not, I felt like we gave it a pretty good shot. We didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. We didn't do anything bad. We just, the Bison are just, I think, that much better than us physically, schematically, coaching-wise, strength and conditioning-wise. Like, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch them just be, just manhandle our offensive line, our, def, our defensive line, and, yeah, just take it to us. And really, I, I'm not sure we, what else we could have really done. We could have maybe limited some of the big plays, but <laughs> still, I, I just don't think the game would have gone much different, even if we did. Nope. Uh, you and I both thought the game was going to be closer than it was. We both had thoughts that we probably had a decent shot of winning the game, but it was pretty clear by midway through the first quarter that it just felt very similar to last year, and that wasn't going to be the case this year. Nope, they were definitely fired up. I didn't get a chance to watch in the Illinois State game, but clearly they took that game kind of like how we took our North Dakota loss, except they ended up eking out the win, but they used it as a wake-up call, a motivating thing, and and they came to play, and they just took it to us. I mean, there's I don't know what else we want to say on the game recap, really. Um, yeah, I don't really have much to say about that. There's a lot more to I mean, say, but there's really not a lot to say at the same time. <laughs> it makes sense. That's perfect, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, they just outmatched us pretty much across the board. They attacked. They did pretty much whatever they wanted. They attacked the edges. The speed killed us. Um, oh, I was a little surprised by the bison speed. I didn't think that they were as fast as that, especially that I didn't know anything about Christian Watson. We did a look, we don't do a ton of research for the show, but I hadn't really come across his name or anything as a guy to keep an eye on. But uh, his speed, absolutely elite, and we had absolutely no answer for it. Yep. You just got tipped the cap to the bison. They're going to their what ninth national title in the last decade. That's pretty impressive. What did you think of the play calling, I guess, offensively from Matt Miller? Choate did say say some things in the post-game press conference that I kind of, I forgot. I have my second page of notes here that I do kind of want to get into. But what do you think about Miller's play calling? It's hard to remember, but I did write down a note that said, I wish we would have took more vertical shots. And then I rewatched the post-game presser with Matt Ince, the Bison coach, saying, you know, he thought we would be a better passing team that we we showed. We, We were all just doing... He said, like, quick outs, you know, in the flats. And you can't pass in the flats against the Bison. They were just too fast. So, yes, I kind of remember just thinking we should take some more shots down the field. I was a little surprised, like, the way Cassis had been playing and we didn't take more shots. He had the nice touchdown grab. So, you know, he can't. He came to play. I just, you know, Tucker Rovick just didn't have a lot of time. I think the game plan was kind of expected to not have Rovick had a lot of time. And maybe that's why he didn't take as many shots down the field, just because we didn't think we'd be able to protect him long enough to let those routes develop. I'm not sure. That's probably pretty true, because number 91, their senior buck, man, he just, he was so good. He he could just run past us <laughs> and just have his way. No, who was game. he picking on? Was it, uh, was it Connor Wood? I don't know. Or sessions, I think it was yeah. Whoever was over on the right side, there was just getting eaten up alive. It was, yeah, he just ran right by him. If he knew we were passing, it was over. Yeah, but uh, to kind of go back to what I was going to say about the post game press conference, Choate did say that they had some things in the plan that didn't work so well. So in the second half, they kind of went back to what they've been doing. It's almost like they tried to do something new and creative to take the bison by surprise where I'm not sure that was really the way we should have attacked it. I think we should have had faith in the way we had been playing and it's, it's hard. You got to pick your, pick your strategy, right? If you're a team that plays like the bison, you either try and out, out bison the bison or you try and do something different. And I just didn't know if we had, we just looked different. We kind of had a different game plan than I've seen it. And just, I don't know. We just kind of flat didn't really work out. So I don't really know the answer to that. Like you said, we did play better in second half and, Show it said that it kind of went back to what we kind of had been doing, kind of more of the groove calls, but a little surprising in the first half, the way we kind of attacked the Bison defense. I thought we would take more vertical shots, and I don't know. I'm not saying it was a bad game by Matt Miller or anything. It just, a little, just didn't really work out for us. And Well, if there's a silver lining to the whole thing is we've been there two times now. <laughs> we have experience. So 
if we end up in that same seat next year, um, hopefully we'll be able to improve upon it. Let's just shoot for the number two seed and not have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that uh, North Dakota State, here's a little stat for you, has, has had a record of 89 home games since 2010. And that's by far like the largest amount in all of like Division One football. Not even close. That's pretty a crazy stat. It was like what next closest one was like seventy three or something seventy one. <laughs> yeah, it might have been might have been in the sixties. Yeah, it's like over almost twenty games more at home than the next closest team. Pretty in, uh, insane stat. And we're gonna talk a little bit about. In fact, we could do it right now. Talk about what it is the Bison are doing that keeps them on top, and that is absolutely one of the things. You keep winning home games. You keep winning your games. Your guys. Your players have like an extra, by the time they're done playing four years, they've had a whole extra season of football than your average FCS team will have had. I never thought about it that way, but you're spot on. Yeah, and then, of course, the home games where you have the big advantage, you just keep winning, you keep getting extra games, you play an 11-game season, you're going to play 14 games a year, and 75% of your games are blowouts that are over in the third quarter. So not only... Is everyone playing extra games? All your backups are getting a quarter, a quarter and a half, two quarters of football and extend it out 14 games. So yeah, that's extra three three uh, games a year. Extrapolated over four years, 12 more games. Yeah, basically you have a whole extra season. I think the the, the thing you said about the, the starters being pulled off like maybe halfway through the game because they're just blowouts is probably a good reason why they are so healthy right now compared to how we yeah. look. <laughs> well, it's funny because we looked a lot better than we did last year. And I thought Choke did a lot better job this year of managing the team in terms of rotating guys, subbing guys, not letting anybody get too worn down. But he rode his stars a little too hard, perhaps. He rode Troy a little too hard. And Afonso, I think, was just kind of a fluke thing. There's not much you can do on that situation. But overall, I thought he did a lot better job. We weren't nearly as banged up this year, but our guys in at 80, 85% across the board and India, NDSU just look like they're fresh out of fall camp. I think this just goes to show how far ahead they are of everybody else, because go back to the festival and you're watching Ohio state and Clemson and their stars are just absolutely banged up <laughs> in the whole game. Like people are limping off. I mean, it's just, like the stars of the games are just been put through this rigorous season, just banging on each other all season long. And then here comes North Dakota state. <laughs> like you said, they look like they're fresh out of fall camp. And how can that be? Well, I just think it has to go back to what you just said. You know, they're being rested more and their blowout games allow them to rest their starters. And they just have such good conditioning from the get go. Their strength training team is elite from what I've heard. It just it's snowballed. Now it's just like it's so far into this this decade that it's just it just perpetuates the next year and every everything just keeps going. It's just hard to stop. I don't think they'll ever be stopped. I mean, when can when will the Bison stop being the Bison of the FCS? It's hard to say because once you got that thing rolling like they do, there's no other system like it. Like in the FBS. Alabama doesn't get that many extra football games a year. Now you get an extra one if you're in the college playoff. So you get two games instead of one bowl game, you get two bowl games basically, but nothing like what the Bison are experiencing. They get three extra games a year. And of course, other, a couple other teams are get there. Obviously one or team gets three games a year and JMU's closest on par with them, but it's a system in place by the time that a guy who was a freshman you know, typically you don't want guys really playing until they're a junior, right? You wait your turn, you you get you you get develop, you get learn the system, but you're playing in blow like in mop up time for the first two years, and you're playing extra three games, and some of those playoff games are even blowouts. But by the time you're a junior, you've got like twenty some games on your belt, like legit playing time. So it's it's a hard train to stop. Like they're gonna have to be knocked off out of the playoffs like a couple times in a row for this to possibly derail. One time is not even going to really do it. I don't think that'd be like an upset. They'd be back. You know, it's going to take, <laughs> I don't know how it's going to ever stop. They're going to have to have a coach who finally comes in and just finally crashes the boat. 
<laughs> I didn't think the Grizz would ever topple. You know, they've been good from, like, from 1995, whenever the national championship, all the way up until the Robin Flugrad situation. Like, eventually, it, all dynasties come to an end. I just, when is it going to end? I don't know how it's going to end. It's a good point. It's just going to be a bad hire at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but but they keep developing coaches within too. They just always hire within, within, within. So even that is all in house. <laughs> so true. You know, I think uh, North Dakota State keeps Jeff Choate up at night. <laughs> I think I, I would like to think Jeff Choate thinks of North Dakota State more than he ought to. Why? Why, why do you like to think that? No, I, I think it just drives him. <laughs> I think he knows. Like he says, the, we don't have to look far to see the bar. And uh, I think he thinks about that all season long. I really do. Well, it's, it's kind of weird. Like in the FBS in any one year, like, okay, the FBS still has its major guys that are always there. Like Alabama is always going to be there. Now it's Clemson every year. But that kind of rotates every once in a while. There's, there's no like, this is the bar every single year. In the FCS, it's like there's North Dakota State in the field. Maybe James Madison's in the same conversation. Maybe they're not. But you know the bar. It's North Dakota State, period. That's who you got to beat. There's no, you're not, you know, next year it's going to be preseason number one, North Dakota State. You know, that's going to be the target and the goal for next year. You already know that without this year even finishing. So, yeah, I would imagine if you're focusing on one thing, figure out how to beat the bison. So do you think we closed the gap to do that? I do, actually. Uh, The game wasn't, a lot closer than last year score wise it was a little bit but it was definitely more competitive but we closed it from maybe 5% chance of winning to like 8% chance of winning we're still <laughs> we're still miles away it feels like until we can really figure out how to mess with their quarterback I, I don't feel like we even touched Trey Lance in the backfield and one of the things I thought about was like that's maybe where we miss Troy Anderson the most. But until we can figure out to get that guy uncomfortable on the back end, I think that's, you know, that's going to be the biggest key to success against the Bison going forward for me. I thought we'd try and run a little bit more blitz packages, try and bring guys from unexpected spots, but we really didn't do that either. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. But you don't want to get beat deep, so I get it. I mean, that's kind of, we went back to the strategy of keeping things in front of us. And that was the other thing that Choate really kind of talked a little, little bit about too is it seemed like he kind of gleaned some same, some uh, some things from the Illinois State game. Uh, but again, at halftime, he said they kind of threw that out the window too. So it's like they tried some things. Maybe that they tried to mimic someone else's game plan that maybe we didn't have the horses for. And that, that's where things kind of went south for us in that second quarter. So, But I, I would have liked to have seen us bring a little bit more pressure and just kind of sell out a little bit more because clearly... We got burned for huge gains anyway. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I I just can't imagine it being a whole lot worse if we would have brought some pressure and tried to at least make a few negative plays instead of just not try trying not to get burned deep and then getting burned deep anyway. Yeah. So I I do I I'd agree with you, Tony. I think we did actually close the gap, but it, this is like you know it's going to take time and maybe years in order to actually attain to the level where when we actually do play them, it's going to be you know, a coin flip at, at best. It's almost like marathon training. I mean, you're going to go out, you're going to put in your miles, but you're not going to see stark improvement from, you know, week to week, but you stack a couple of weeks on it on itself and maybe a couple months. And then, and then you got something. It's going to take some time, but the cats are on the right path right now. Last year, you know, you could have said, well, all right, you know, we, we made it. We're pretty satisfied. We got to this far. Now, now it's just, it seems like the standard's different, just like Derek Mark said. And all of a sudden, Montana State's just building a program that's consistent and solid and getting deeper. Our depth is getting better. The culture is getting stronger. Um, we're a known entity now. We're not just like a flash in the pan. Jeff Choate, everything he's said has come true for the most part. We have so many pieces in place, and it's going to take that to be continued over next year, the year after, and in perpetuity. And I think, you know, within three to four years, we keep building. And let's say North Dakota State doesn't jump ship or something. Yeah, then we have that team that has the depth, has the experience, has the culture, has the moxie to go into Fargo and beat the Bison. 
No, I'm pretty pretty hopeful for next year and moving forward just because Choate also kind of subscribes that philosophy of getting guys minutes. Like think of all the guys who got minutes this year who maybe got it in garbage time, maybe got it just spelling a guy here and there, but those guys are going to have lots of experience heading into next year. And then it's just going to start building. And that's kind of what the Bison did and that's where they are. And I see us kind of building towards that same kind of program. I don't know if we'll get the same like horses that they have, just the dudes, but we're building that way. And I absolutely believe we will just continue to get better under Jeff Choate. And I like, I just love the direction. And I just want to take a moment. We're going to talk a lot more about this when we do our recap episode, but we just need to appreciate the season we just had. It was an amazing season. We made it to the semifinals. We're all disappointed, but (laughs) this is the best season that any of us, a lot of us have remembered since uh, 1985. You know, it's, it's been a long time, 1984, excuse me been a long time since the bobcats made it past the quarterfinals and and it was a fun season it was a fun ride and my gosh it was it was a fun season it was a fun season to do the podcast for yeah we'll talk about that when we do our episode but it is something that it was worth mentioning yeah it's just kind of this this past week when we haven't had football and it's been like okay it's over it's like you're just feeling the letdown and so it's it's okay, you know, <laughs> but it's okay to feel that. It's okay and to be we, disappointed. Yeah, exactly. But it's not okay to be satisfied. And I think that's, uh, I think, it, I know that's where Jeff Choate is at. And I think as fans, we should continue to expect uh, greatness out of our, our team. Great. Um, is there anything else you really want to cover here? Uh, oh, I do. I do want to ask one question. Do you think, let's, let's not try and make a big conversation of this. Do you think the FCS or the, the NDSU dominance is good for, for the FCS? Do you think having the same team win it 95% of the time? Is that good? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, I thought about this this past week and I'm going to have to settle on a no. And here's why. I think parody is better for sports. When you look at the FBS, and they have their four-team playoff system, most teams in the country that play FBS football will never have a shot at playing in that college football playoff who are not the cream of the crop teams, your Ohio States, Alabama, Clemsons, etc. And so how does that make you feel if you are playing at Boise State or if you're playing at oh, Ohio? You know, So it's just what I'm getting at, Thorny, is if we always know that NDSU is going to be at the top and they are the person to knock off, and it just doesn't feel like, I don't, it just feels like almost insurmountable. You're like, okay, well, we're going to get through and now we're going to go to the semifinals. Okay, there's NDSU again. Now, okay, we got to play those guys again. How excited would you feel if next season NDSU was not in the picture. Let's say they did move up. They got that sweet gig in the Big 12 Mountain West. And now all of a sudden, that spot at the top is vacated. How would you feel going into that season? Oh, a lot more hopeful. Right? I mean, James Madison, I heard, is looking. So if they go, does NDSU go? No, I don't think NDSU is going anywhere. Okay, so here's why. And I... I read an article, and I, I'm not going to say his name because I didn't even write it down, but I kind of agree with him. He was saying that, it goes back to that FBS analogy I was stating, is until the playoff picture happens where the FBS expands their playoff picture and everybody has some sort of equal access of playing the Alabamas of the world. Granted, you can make this, like, let's say it's 16 or 20 team playoff system. The net gain for NDSU football to move up is really not that much, even if you account for uh, like TV rights and revenue share through um, conference alignment there. So eh, I don't think they're going to go up anytime soon. I don't know, but uh, I think that's the only way that this is really going to go away. Or unless a team like Montana State can just continue to improve and just Knock them off their pedestal. Well, rising tide does lift all ships. What's that saying? I don't know. I butchered it. Something like that. So <laughs> if NDSU is really good every year, 
somebody's going to have to step up and just knock them off. Like every, everyone gets better for it. So in that way, having a team be continually good is good because everyone like raises their level for it. But overall, I just don't think it's good for the, the brand, for fansmanship. Like personally, I know it's going to sound like a bitter cat fan here, but I haven't watched the national championship game. I've watched them on and off for a few years. It's like, okay, North Dakota State's in it. Who gives a crap? You know, like they're going to win. <laughs> it's like, it's not an exciting game to watch. I don't, I don't watch the FCS. I used to watch them all. I loved watching like the, the surprise teams make it in. Like the year Delaware was in there. That was fun. Like it's just, it's fun to watch those things, but all right, it's North Dakota State again, North Dakota State again, North Dakota State again. It's, it's not fun. Like people don't turn into March Madness because they want to watch Duke and Kansas being in the, you know, the championship game. They tune in because they want to watch all the crazy upsets and the Cinderella stories. And there's no Cinderella story in the FCS because it's just always, it's always North Dakota State. I guess there is a little bit like Austin, a team like Austin Peay can make it to the quarterfinals, maybe the semifinals, but eventually it's just going to run into the same thing. So overall, I don't think it's good to have one team just continually be that dominant. There's just no parity. And like you said, parity is a good thing. Yep. Yep, that's all I have. <laughs> yeah, yep, same here. Uh, let's see, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to just get into our special segments? Let's do that, for sure. All right, well, you want to move into the... All right, well, you want to move into the special segments? <laughs> yeah, man. Sounds good to me. All right, well, this is your realm. Kick it off. Okay, let's recap our bold predictions from uh, prior to the semi-final game i said tristan bailey would get his mojo back he'd get back on track well i was wrong he didn't even have a chance to get back so yeah that's what i have what was he your kicked, bold prediction he kicked those kickoffs real hard <laughs> yeah, nice job <laughs> no wind it was great uh my bold prediction with trey lance would throw his first interception of the year nope not even close <laughs> well just like uh give me a quick like hitter on Trey Lance. What do you think of that dude? I think for a freshman, he is phenomenal. And I don't, he's going to go ahead and just tear the FCS up for three more years. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. He can run the ball. He can make plays with his feet, keeps his eyes downfield. He's got a strong enough arm, not a super strong arm, but a strong enough arm. Uh, Yeah, he's going to do good. <laughs> yeah, him and Christian Watson. Christian Watson's a sophomore. It, that's going to be dynamic duo for the next three years. Holy Duh. smoke. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Buy or sell. Ready for this one, Thorny? Yeah. Why not? You're on the hot seat. I only got three of them today. You're good. Buy or sell. New Year's resolutions. Buy. I like him. Ooh. Okay. Uh, any. You, you already answered yours by that response. Ooh, did I? Yeah. I kind of <laughs> let like, it in. Gross, basically, is what you just said. <laughs> All right. Number two, buy or sell having a Christmas tree down by New Year's. Ours has been down for like four days. It was down on Friday. So are you buying or are you selling? Buying. Okay. No, I took it down because I hate taking it down early. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Get it out of the house. Yeah, there you go. All right, last one, Tony. Buy or sell, I have a rooting interest in the FCS National Championship game sell really like i get maybe i kind of talk a little bit about it but i i don't really see myself carving out any time to watch it if i happen to be around when it's on sure but if i miss it i don't really care okay all right throwing you off the hot seat okay fully buy or sell new year's resolutions i'm gonna sell new year's resolutions i'm a goal-oriented guy i don't think you just have to put one out there at the january 1st I'm selling New Year's resolutions. Plus, I think most people break them. I don't think they set attainable goals for themselves. I don't think they set smart goals for themselves. Number two, buy or sell. Having a Christmas tree down by New Year's, I'm totally buying that. Like you, Thorny, our Christmas tree is in the recycle bin as we speak. I pay five bucks to the local high school that my sons will eventually go to, and they just put it in their big old tree dumpster. It's out of the house. Get it out. And number three, buy or sell. I have a rooting interest in the FC National Championship game. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to root for James Madison University. I want them to knock off the bison. 
I will be watching that and I will make a point to carve out time to watch that. Yeah, I could totally see that. Then I'm wishy-washy on it, but it just goes back to the parody thing. Like I, I just don't not excited to watch the Bison and the championship game again. Yeah. But if anybody can knock them off, it is James Madison. So it's a compelling game from that aspect, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bison just steamroll them. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. All right, man, let's move into our Golden Koozie segment. All right, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the big heavy one or start light and fluffy? I like light and fluffy. I don't think we actually have any light and fluffy ones right after. Oh, <laughs> man. Still like They're all pretty much about the same thing. They're all about what do we do to compete with North Dakota State? Talking about the cost of attendance or the press conference. Let's go to Bobcat Nation first. Let's get those out of the way. And then we'll hit our ones on Twitter. 91 Cat alum uh, has a couple questions regarding Choate's pregame comments. He wants, uh, let's see. Do you agree with that? Man, we pretty, pretty much answered every single Golden Koozie question that's going to come up. We'll do quick hitters on all of them anyway. Uh, he's, he wants to know if we agree with him that the NDSU dynasty, agree with Choate, that the NDSU dynasty is not good for the FCS and that there's not on a level playing field due to the cost of attendance. First part of his question is, do we agree with them? Second part is, do you think it played much of a factor into the level of motivation for the Bison? Why don't you go first? Well, we already talked a little bit about the dynasty. Neither of us are a fan of one team dominating that much. The cost of attendance, uh, I do think it is a, uh, obviously it's a benefit for North Dakota State. Any team that can offer any sort of financial aid for a student who doesn't have to try and like work at a car wash just to get minimum wage, just so he can afford pizza. Like that's a big thing. There's, there's lots of stories, especially our level of football of, of just guys that struggle to make ends meet here and there. Cause it sports football is a full-time job. So if you can get paid enough to not have to worry about that, then it has to be an advantage. I don't know how big of an advantage it is, but there's, you can't, it's, you can't just dismiss it as not as advantage. So I agree with them. We're going to get a lot more into what we think about Jeff Choate's comments in another koozie question. So we'll get into that in a little bit. So for the level of motivation, though, uh, again, I don't know where I want to spill the beans on this, but I will say, obviously, it did motivate North Dakota State. Um, so I will say the comments had to have factored in because clearly the Bisons focused on it, keyed in on it, and went so far as to design a taunt about it. So clearly it motivated them. Whether it should have motivated them is, uh, we'll get into that in another question. But obviously, I think that they did factor in. The comments did factor in. Yeah, I really don't have anything to add on to that. I think you said both of those just spot on, buddy. Okay, well, that's easy. Are you saying that just to get out of here quickly, or do you actually agree with me? I mean, no, I actually agree with you. Do you guys agree with Jeff? I, I totally agreed with what he said in his presser, and I absolutely agree that it had probably motivation for NDSU, whether it's substantiated or not. It did. I mean, watch uh, number 91 celebration, sacking Tuckerovic in the fourth quarter, flipping out the money, making it rain. You know, it did. <laughs> they knew it. So, yeah, you said it well. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, though. I don't know if we'll get into the taunting real quick, so I want, I want to address that real quick. That's just a weird flex to me. It's just so weird. Like, I get being a creative a creative celebration against the opponent that's topical like that, but you're basically bragging that you're getting paid while, like, the 99%, 99.9% of the other student-athletes, even in your own conference and stuff, like, don't get paid. It's a weird flex. Like, I get paid, you don't. Nah, that's, that's a weird taunt to me. But other than that, you know, I give them credit for being... for being creative i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so that was 91 cat alum nice job dude that was a good question do you want to read the next one do you have it up i do are we looking at the same one coach uert yeah david hasselhoff he's david hasselhoff okay <laughs> don't hassle the hoff all right man uh, looking at the bigger picture of competing with NDSU, what do you two think should be the main focus for the Cats and for all of FCS? Is it talent? Is it the full cost of attendance, facilities, moving to Fargo where you have nothing else to do but football? Uh, with MSU, NDSU being a landslide with this score, what positives do you take away from the game 
for next season. So two-part question. Um, let's focus in on the first part right now. Looking at the bigger picture, what does what do we need to do in order to close the gap? Well, one, I think it has to do with facilities. Our end zone project uh, will be huge. I also feel like for for Montana State specifically, whenever we are able to build a indoor practice facility, that's going to be a game changer. Um, North Dakota State certainly has one. The kids were recruiting. If you could tell them that they could play football inside and not have to deal with the the weather, the climate change that is real and affecting all of us. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a game changer for Montana state. So, um, I do believe the full cost of attendance is, is nice. I don't know how much, if I'm coming out of high school, if that I'm looking at that as a deciding factor, but, uh, you know, I don't know, but I think facilities is going to be the biggest thing. All right, second part of that question was, with the MSU-NDSU game being a landslide with the score, what positives do you take away from the game for next season? What positives do I take away from the game? I won't, We've been there twice. I think that's knowing your opponent, being able to touch that opponent, being able to feel that environment. If nothing else, it's, being, it's like almost like being in a fight. You don't know how you're going to react until you're actually in one. And so... If nothing else, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that we've been there. We've been beat pretty badly. Now we know what we need to do. Uh, as Jeff Choate said in his presser postgame, he said, we're going to take this loss. We're going to go back. We're going to see what kind of pieces we need to add in order to get to that bar. And think about schematics as well. What kind of schematics we might need to change in order to push this forward. So getting our butts beat in North Dakota for two years in a row. Well, I think. Uh, those are the positives right there. It's like, we know what we need to do. Nice. Those are good answers. I agree with everything you said. I don't know how much cost of attendance is a factor. I don't really think it's something we need. So it would be nice to have it and be certainly a benefit. It's not not so much a recruiting tool. I think it takes a lot of, it just allows the players that are recruited to focus more on football and not have to worry about how they're going to make money, how they're going to afford food. It's just going to help them take one less stress off their mind where it's already something super stressful where they already have balancing football life in class and then maybe trying to earn money somewhere in there. Because not everyone comes to Montana State or to North Dakota State that can afford that kind of stuff from a family that, that's not affluent. Like it's it's not as easy as it sounds for some people. So just have, not having that worry for some people would be a huge benefit. So maybe not necessarily a recruiting tool, but something that helps you focus on football more. Facilities, I think, are huge. I think an indoor practice facility would be massive. I think the the, the athletic center that is being built right now is going to be a game changer for sure. Again, allowing more support for the athletes to focus on school and take a little bit of the stress out of that. And an indoor fa- practice facility, now I've had more time to think about this. Hugely crucial. Not, I mean, just the fact that in the spring, in the fall, Sometimes the weather's so bad you can't go. You can't even practice. Like the, the field's a mess. There's ice, you know, whatever. Now you have a you have somewhere to go in those situations. So I think that's hugely crucial. As for the score, for the positives from the game, my biggest takeaway is that Jeff Choke just strikes me. It's kind of along the same lines as you. Strikes me as a guy who's learned every year on the job. Like he's a first time college football head coach and he just keeps learning more and more about the game about about the division in which we play and about what kind of top level there is in the division and i have full faith that he is going to continue to learn about being a head coach and what it takes and apply that and come back stronger next year and the following year so my takeaway is i just have faith in jeff choked to continue to build the program and to learn as he goes perfect yeah there's just some in-depth questions, but that's what we're here for. <laughs> nice job, Coach. That was a good question, man. I think that is all of the Bobcat Nation questions today. All right, let's move on to the Twitter questions. Twitter. Let's start with the soft. Well, not the softball. Let's start with the uh, Tom. Good old Tommy. Tom. Just L. Tom. L. Cappy Tom. At El Capitan. That's pretty cool. I like that. 
All right. Tom says, we keep moving further every year, but clearly aren't at the NDSU and JMU level yet. What do we need to do to push our program to be realistic title contender? Uh, you know, we just talked about that, Tom. Uh, well, so- not necessarily. What like that's We talked a little bit about the facility side of things. Maybe let's talk a little bit about on the field, what do we need to do? Ooh, I like that angle, Ryan. Um, uh, I think we need to continue to push our offensive identity and be more um, dynamic. I, that's a crappy word for that, but uh, we need to be, be able to push the ball down the field even more on a regular basis. I thought Tucker Rovig did a really nice job towards the end of the season. Looking for him to take some major steps forward. Obviously, we all know about the co- uh, the quarterback coming in, Matt McKay. Uh, what's that going to look like? What's it going to look like to have Tommy Millat on our on our team? The whole quarterback thing next year, Beltran is, or Beltran going to the portal, Casey Bauman still being here. I mean, phew, man, this can be <laughs> that's going to be a fun topic for us to cover uh, when spring starts and going into fall camp. But uh, yeah, we're just going to have to get better at the quarterback position. But I also think uh, Matt Miller's going to have to evolve in his play calling too. I agree. Um, Miller definitely had to continue to grow. He's still a young coordinator, so I have faith that that's going to continue because he had some ups and downs this year. But when he was on, he was really on. The lines, I just think we need to keep strengthening the offensive line and the defensive line. Just keep fortifying them, keep Mm -hmm. getting more and more bodies there, keeping guys fresh and just figuring out how to stay strong all season long. And when we get to the quarterfinal, semifinal games, the guys are still playing at a high level and they're not too banged up. So I guess strength and conditioning would be a big part of it. And we've taken a huge steps in that. I can just that whole uh, the food program with that the the person they have running that I forget her name, but they have like that whole a nutrition program now. Patera, which is something Brittany, I think Patera. Yeah, that's only a few years old, right? Like three, two or three years old. True. So I mean, that's that's already provided huge gains just that alone. So I just continue to develop that to, to develop those kind of behind the scenes things, but. So the onto the field stuff, we're going to just have to get a little bit more prolific in the passing game. We don't have to be a UC Davis type passing game. And I don't think Tucker Rovick held us back this year. Obviously, we made it all the way. And I don't think <laughs> Jake Meyer, Eric Berrier on the Bobcat team wins that game regardless. But we are going to have to continue to develop and play better at that position if we want that to be a strength and not just something that's not holding us back. So I think that's going to be another key. Just the offensive line, defensive line, and elevated quarterback play are going to be huge for us. Agreed. All right. Well, I guess we've got to answer the the Grizz fan pod question, which is something we should be talking about anyway. The pregame North Dakota State press conference from Jeff Choate that turned into a giant, and by giant, I mean in the scope of the North Dakota State fan base and the Montana State fan base issue. Hot topic. (laughs) <laughs> quite the quite the mess thanks to an article by Mike McFeely I think is his name uh, North Dakota State uh, sports I'm not sure uh, the outlet he works for but uh, yeah he wrote an article that was very clearly cherry picking some comments from Jeff Choate and that thing blew up so what are your thoughts where do you want to start on this bad boy <laughs> what was the question I guess exactly <laughs> I think I just yeah. want us to discuss it. I think it was the only question. So Matt Ince, their head coach in the post-game press conference, quotes, our kids were ready to roll today, took some things personal during the course of the this week, and that's okay. So he's referencing Jeff Choate's comments about having an equal playing field with full cost of attendance. Uh, Jeff Choate, tongue-in-cheek, talked about playing semifinals at a neutral site. So I went back today and I looked at uh, Jeff Choate's press conference. And if you're trying to cherry pick some of Jeff Choate's comments on this, then you've completely <laughs> you missed the entire, like Jeff Choate is nothing but complimentary about the Bison program. <laughs> if you actually go back and watch that and you just watch Jeff Choate's demeanor, when he says this stuff, like I said, it was tongue in cheek with uh, the neutral site. And he was matter of fact when he's talking about, you know, you know, level playing field of full cost of attendance. But the rest of the time when he talked about North Dakota State, he was just gushing over them and being very respectful. So 
if this writer, Mike, well, who is it? McFeely. McFeely. I don't know if his first name is Mike, but McFeely. (laughs) Did did this come out before the game? Yep. He wrote an article. um, It was worded a very sensationalist journalistic way, in my opinion, for sure. Um, So that's kind of what started the whole thing. The article that the Grizz Fan Pod linked was basically the Bison didn't need an assist to the Montana State coach, but the whole article started off, or the initial article was before he wrote. Okay, so like this guy McFeely is just stretching because here's his job. Like, oh gosh, look, the Bison are in the semifinals again for like the eighth straight year. What am I going to write about? What's my take on this? Oh, there's goes Jeff Choate. Guy with a lot of bravado and moxie talking. Oh, look what he said. Oh, ooh. Oh, I got my story now. I'm going to print that. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happened. So I think he took some low hanging fruit and you know, just poor journalism right there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I was really trying to find the nice way to say anything about this. No, no, I'm trying to find an article because I want to read how he worded the title of it and it was pretty it was pretty just reach it was a big reach all right i found it so his the headline is mc montana state coach bemoans ndsu's dominance as bad for college football subtitle choate says fcs playing field isn't level with bison's resources also advocates for neutral site semifinals (laughs) (laughs) it's so far off it's so baseless. It's comical. Like I was thinking like, did I just completely misjudge it? Cause you and I, every week we do the podcast, we talk about the press conference. Neither of us brought up any of this because well, why let's, let's, I didn't bring it up <laughs> exactly. because, uh, first of all, I, I, I listened to it. I was kind of half listening to last as much as a real busy day at work, but I remember hearing his comment about the semifinal thing. And I was just like, Oh, he's joking because I heard laughter in the background, like the uh the, the the reporters are laughing. So I didn't even think anything of it. Then he talked about the cost of tennis thing when honestly, Cho every press conference rails about some thing that he wants to have. Like he's always railing <laughs> about facilities, he's always like just basically using the press conference as a platform to nudge Wadad, like, hey, this would be nice for the program. <laughs> So I listened to it and it's like just a quintessential Jeff Choate press conference. And it didn't even occur to me that it was newsworthy. Yeah. This guy is just stretching. He's just trying to get some clicks. <laughs> I think you said it best. Like when you're a team that's been winning so often as they have, and you're maybe you're a coach for a team that's won 35 straight games. How do you continue to motivate your players? How do you keep them hungry? You go fishing, you go fishing for stuff like this. And if you're a reporter, same thing. Like, what you got to write about something. You can't just like, all right, Montana State's coming in. We beat the crap out of them last year. We're going to do it again. Like, no, you got to got to do something a little bit more exciting than that. And I think Jeff Choke gave him just enough of a tiny little nugget, and he just like ran with it. So the Bison fan reaction is pretty ridiculous. Any given Saturday, which is a message board for all of SES football. Uh, the title of the thread posted by a Bison fan was, can the Montana State coach be a bigger uh, bad word? Insert here. We're keeping this not sweary now. <laughs> a, a female lady part. <laughs> we'll call it. So I was just like, geez, geez, man, this is, there's like a 20 page debate on it. <laughs> if you didn't listen to the whole press conference and, and you didn't listen to the context, you didn't watch it, you didn't watch the coach's demeanor, you have it's completely cherry picked quotes, and it's it's. A, I'm pretty fired up about it. I was fired up when it came out. I was all over the internet defending it, and like, are, are you guys crazy? He didn't mean anything by all this. I went and re-listened to it today just to see maybe I'm the crazy one, and I'm even more convinced after listening to it again that it's complete <laughs> boat BS. I'm gonna kind of recap it a little bit. Choke came out praising North Dakota State, the program, their machine. He was praising their offensive line. Like, as long as their offensive line's good, they're going to be good. He thought Trey Lance was a stud. He made a couple of jokes, like, at least Easton Stick's not here. That guy who dominated us last year, like, good thing he's not here. And he made, like, a, like that sarcastic, dry Jeff Choate humor. He's talking about, like, uh, Jabril Cox, their stud linebacker. He's like, oh, I should have just graduated. You know, like, 
because <laughs> so you don't have to play him. Like it's just, it's a dry joke. And then like right after that, he talks about, yeah, I guess we should, you know, it'd be nice if we just had these at a neutral site and just have a double header. And then everyone just starts laughing. And it was a joke. It was a joke, but apparently that just means he's advocating for a neutral site because he's scared to go to Fargo. That's how that was interpreted by the Bison faithful. Then someone asked, I don't know the reporter, I apologize in advance. Someone asked Matt Entz, the head coach, uh, how could, or no, they asked about Matt Entz, how could he just step in and keep it rolling? Which is what uh, got kind of choked going on the whole subject about how they have tremendous support from their administration they have full cost of attendance, which is what FCF teams do. I'm pretty sure that's about all he said about uh, cost of attendance. It's just that they have it. And that's what FBS teams do. And then he went on to talk about commitment from the community. Then Brooks Nuana is asked if their run is good for college football. And that's where coach said, that's where coach started talking about the level playing fields was actually two separate thought process. He didn't talk about the cost of attendance as being uneven. He just said, there isn't a level playing football in all of college football. And he said there's so much parody in the NFL because it's level playing football. Everyone's playing by the same rules, but there's not in college football. He went talked about like the FBS. I took it more of a just a comment about in college football, there's just haves and have nots and things like cost of attendance or advantage. And I don't know. The whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous that it was taken that far. So there's your nothing burger. I posted a little, <laughs> a little picture of that, but I just find it so ridiculous that it was taken that far. And I've thought long and hard about what I'm going to say about this. <laughs> I can't believe that fans of a team that have won seven out of the eight national championships are so sensitive to this kind of stuff. That's I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to be. Not, I'm not going to say anything else about that. But you get worked about like this. You're the most dominant program, like the FCS has ever seen. The most dominant run, ten year run in history, and you're getting all up in arms about this. It's it's comical. I, I, you just went off, man. I loved it. <laughs> I was most fired up, but I've been all like, seasoned. I know. I'm just sitting over here, just laughing to myself, trying not to make any sound in the microphone, just smiling. And I just, you got heated. I love it. <laughs> I just find it so ridiculous. I got to like defend Jeff Choate on this. Like, he didn't mean any of it at all as some sort of slight against North Dakota State or as some sort of pre built excuse. It was, if you if you listen to Jeff Choate, if you know Jeff Choate, we've been listening to Jeff Choate press conferences for four straight years. Like this is just Jeff Choate. <laughs> he didn't do he didn't do anything out of the ordinary for me. And maybe we're just numb to it. There's there's the possibility, but that's just it was so in line with Jeff Choate. I just I don't know. I don't understand how it could be taken that far out of context. But like I said, you're gonna manufacture some news, I guess. Oh, that's fun. He's in their heads now, though. Jeff Choate owns some real estate <laughs> in, in the fans' heads, for sure. Yeah, Maybe we're, even the we're in their heads because they're still complaining about the buyout. So <laughs> they're still still upset about that. It's All right, Tony. Right, hey, there's man. There's more for that, I guess. Now they're going to be upset yeah. about this and that. Who are we going to pick? Good question. I, 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 like, know my, I know my vote. Well, you go. You, if you know, you go first, and I'll see if you agree. Okay, I'm going to go with Coach. Coach Ewert. And here's why. I think he just, his, uh, his questions were uh, full, encompassing, and varied. And I just like uh, the, I, I, I mean, I love your rant with the Grizz fan pod. And those guys are seemingly nice dudes. At least Brent Wahlberg is. It's like I, we I, had I, Brent on. He was a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Now we know him. We're yeah. friends now. Okay. So Brent, yeah, Brent is a nice He's a guy. friend of the pod, even. Uh, we've, I've never met Mike, but, uh, you know, some probably some really nice guys, but I'm going to go with uh, Coach on on mine. I have no one strong feeling any direction, so I'll agree with you. Woo! Coach! Woo! Go Cusy! Coming <laughs> your way! In fact, Coach, you're going to have to reach out to us and give me some contact info. Our guy from the last time. Who was the guy who won last week? I think it was I Love the Cats, I'm pretty sure. Still hasn't got to me. Come on now. So if you want your golden Cusy Coach, um, send me common cat or Celtic cat, a, a private, uh, message given some, some directions to mail you that golden koozie, buddy. Good job. Yeah. Then all, all the questions were kind of the same vein as I kind of thought they would be, but yeah, I think he had the most, I think, oh, I agree. It was a good one. Good set of questions. All right, man. Well, I think that's about it. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Just 
I thought this would be a relatively quick episode, but here we are. I guess the only quick part was recapping the game. We only spent about 15 minutes on that, but yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was it was, it was kind of cathartic to talk about it, but I've been kind of pent up or almost even nervous about like this episode. Like, ah, man, I don't want to go talk about this again after the same result as last year, but it's been good. It was good to do it. Good to talk it out. Yeah. We made stride, dude. We're, I got fired there. up. I got to vent my frustrations about that thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Feels good. All right. Get us out of here, Thorny. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone. That puts a wrap on our actual game coverage, if you call it that, whatever you want to call it, for the 2019 Bobcast season, the season for the history books. Ooh. It was a lot of fun to do it. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we enjoyed bringing it to you guys, and it's always fun. Uh, we will be releasing a a season recap episode sometime in January, whenever we get around to it. And uh, we'll probably do like some sort of all decade type thingy that everyone else is doing. We'll get on board with that. Cause I'm, it's fun. I want to do it too. We'll be late to the party. Maybe we'll, everyone will be burned out by then, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, other than that. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. You can find us on Twitter, RR cat cast, the Bobcat nation under the golden koozie thread or the RR cat cast thread. Want to shout out one more time to Shane for helping us out all year at the press conferences and the audio and send us some other audio outside of those that we used in our podcast. We appreciate that. Thanks again. Check out Shane Driscoll's Bobcat Outsider. And for, I think, the final time for this 2019 season, we'll say, go Cats. Go Cats. <laughs>